This isn't just a PSA. That's the sound of the police. This is a PSH. It's the Public Safety Hour on WTMJ Now. Joining Steve Scafidi, here's Annie Schwartz. Wow, you got big voice guy to say your name. Steve and Annie on this Wednesday edition. Wow. I, I, I don't know what to say. It got my attention. That's that's uh, well, the first thing I'll say. <laughs> yeah, Zooks. I, 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 Anne E. Schwartz. Anne, there it was. Yeah, he separated it for some reason. That's okay. Yeah. It, nobody ever knows what to do or how to say it, and I, but yeah. I think that's just fine. As long as, you don't, as long as they don't say Amy Schwartz. Or, or, yeah, or any one of any other, you know, iterations of it. So, <laughs> right. Good to no, see you on this is, Wednesday. That's really nice. And I, you know what? I appreciate that, that I'm hearing from so many people, Steve, since, since you and I started doing this, that they really appreciate that hour a week devoted to the subject of public safety. And I, uh, and when I say public safety, it means fire, EMS, it means police. Crime, true crime news, whatever. Some of the big issues be. that are happening in public safety around the country. We're going to get to some of those uh, with Fire Chief of Milwaukee, City of Milwaukee, Aaron Lipsky, going to join us about nine thirty today. Yeah, he a lot has on his mind. A lot on his mind, and uh, you know, it, it, a sad. Uh, sadly, it's a it's a timely conversation. Uh, we had a fire death in uh, in Milwaukee last night. Uh, the fire at Eleventh uh, and Mineral, and and we can. I think it'll be interesting to ask him about the all the emotions that firefighters go through. We we know a lot about what police go through in their daily round, but we really don't talk a lot about uh, about firefighters. Um, he's, so he's also been very vocal about Northridge, which as, oh, as have I. I've said from I loved I loved his comments when he said I I'll, I'll get the bulldozer and knock it down myself. Yeah, and I I completely agree with him. This is a, this is a travesty of justice. This is ridiculous that we're still talking about this. And on that, that safety of the, the men and women who do that job, it's incredibly dangerous for them. Fires started for no reason by idiots, and then they have to go respond to those over and over again. And he's talked about the break-ins that continue there. This is unacceptable. So we're going we're gonna to explore that with Chief Lipsky. But I wanted to ask you, since we're, we're talking about issues, this one is one of those What's the right term? You you do a lot of work with true crime, mm-hmm. and, and and you certainly the expert on Dahmer, and you've and you've written on that, and you you were the, the first reporter to cover that story here in Milwaukee. The Gilgo Beach murders, the case, the trial, and specifically the spouse of the alleged perpetrator, and his name escapes me. I'll look it up in, during the break. Rex but, Horman. Yes, Rex Horman. Right. So. She's actually has a documentary crew following her around right now. And not for free. No, she's getting paid for it. Mm-hmm. And I understand it's a country that loves true crime and you don't have to do anything more than turning your TV on at night. And there's about 20 different options for you to explore old cases, some of the new cases. This is certainly one of the new ones. But they're apparently following her around now. She's being paid as she reacts as she goes about her days. I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm guessing she'll be attending the trial. Do we know that for sure? Oh, yeah. She said that she's going to be attending every day and they're going to be attending with her. So, you know, I, I've not really heard about about this very much. I've heard about certainly documentaries uh, involving people involved in, you know, in, in serial killer stories or true crime stories. I obviously wrote a book about uh, about the Dahmer case, participated in lots of documentaries. And panel discussions, all and of that. And panel discussions and all of that. So I'm, I'm not going to be the hypocrite and say, isn't that awful? But I think that it's, a, it's an interesting, I, I've not really seen where we're following the spouse. 
Uh, I mean, this would have been like, you know, following the kid, you know, following, uh, you know, a Buster Murdoch while, you know, while the father's on trial. You know, I don't know if that's a very good analogy, but. And I don't know that the kid in that case is being paid. I don't maybe he is. Uh, I, don't for know, a and I, and I don't know that he's, you know, particularly compelling. My guess is before you do a documentary like this, you spend some time with the subject. And my guess is they think that she's going to make compelling television. Her name's Asa Ellerup. And uh, apparently um, she has at least initiated divorce proceedings. The husband or the wife, rather, of uh, Rex Herman. Here's what he's accused of. Slaughtering women, at least three, and I think probably more. Wrapping them in burlap and burying them along a stretch of Gilgo Beach. Um, Good morning to our audience. By yes. The way. Hi, yeah, everybody. I mean, How, you know. Stunning, startling story. <laughs> shocking yeah. story. Again, I guess not unique in the in the history of our country because we have some pretty horrific serial killers. But I guess my my first question would be: Is this just how we're going to do this now? So when someone is accused, in this case, probably convicted. I don't you know, want to assume anything, but I'm guessing um, that the family now will make money of the of the killer, not the victims' families. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know if they're getting paid anywhere. Well, so that's the so there have been a number of victims' families that have come forward and said this is not okay. Much like in the Donner case, they've seen all of us do books or movies or you know documentaries, and they're saying, you know, how are other people making money off of this? And I can, I mean, you know, full disclosure, I I never make money on the documentaries that they do or any of those things. Uh, but I think that what's what's interesting to me, the whole reason. That, that the Dahmer case came up again 30 years later is because there is this incredible resurgence in interest in true crime now that there wasn't when I first wrote the book in 91. So, or when I, I first wrote the book in 92, the case was discovered in 91. So I think that the, there are more and more, there are channels devoted to true crime. There's also n- another generation who didn't live that story. And who, love the fact that this stuff is real and then they get to to watch it so i i get the interest and i get that the the different networks are trying to figure out how to appeal to that interest uh on the part of their audience this will be interesting so new york does have the son of sam law which which of course came up uh, after i, I was um, going to bring david berkowitz yeah you don't reward someone for killing people but in this case what do you do with the spouse well, and she's filed for divorce, so there's no danger, I suppose, that he's going to end up with that money. He cannot benefit from his crimes. Right. That's the whole crux of the Son of Sam law. That's why when Lionel Dahmer was writing about Jeffrey Dahmer, uh, he, he was assuring all parties that he, you know, that he talked to that Jeffrey Dahmer would not benefit from this. You know, yesterday, by the way, on this day in history, it was like 20, I think we're 29 years, uh, since Dahmer was murdered in prison and, I put up a post about that, and the response is amazing. I, I, I mean, people are people are fascinated by this, especially women. By the way, whenever somebody comes up to me to book signing and says, "Oh, you know, sign it for my wife because she loves that show," you know, why, snaps. Why is, why is there a gender difference? I, I don't get it. You know, I, I've read a number of different explanations on why women are more. Um, you know, interested or why they make up the, the greater audience when it comes to, to true crime, especially when it comes to, to serial killers. I think we want to know why. And I think that maybe there is a, let me see if I can figure out what to look for, even though when it comes to serial murder, there really isn't anything you can look for. Oh, so sort of an awareness thing. Mm, that doesn't seem right. Something's mm-hmm. wrong there. Oh, we got to take a break here. Annie Schwartz, my guest, as usual, public safety hour. Don't forget Aaron Lipsky. 
Milwaukee, City of Milwaukee, Fire Chief will join us at 9.30. After the break, I, I, there's a couple more questions I want to ask you. This is not a fly-by-night company, by the way, who's, who's pro, uh, promoting oh, no. it. This is Peacock, the streaming service of NBC Universal. These aren't lightweights. This is a big company, and, and, and there's, a, there's an easy question, and I asked it already. Should someone benefit in the family of the, of the uh, alleged killer? I say no, but I guess courts and, and uh, eventually the laws will determine that. Any sorts our guest? Lots more to get to in this public safety hour. We'll continue after this. This girl is on fire. This girl's Annie Schwartz, law enforcement communications expert. We're talking about the Gilgo Beach story. Eleven women's, eleven, eleven people, people's bodies. I didn't say that very well. Uh, were discovered on this stretch of ocean fronts. The the killer, allegedly the killer, Rex Hurman, who has. Um, I don't think has any had any public comment that I've seen, but his wife has has been very much out there, and now is the subject apparently of a Peacock NBC Universal documentary. They're already filming her. Um, look, I don't know the reality of the situation because I wasn't there. She has claimed she has no knowledge of any of this stuff, um, and I'm not going to presume that she does. But there's a real question. We've already have had laws passed that says you cannot benefit the killers cannot benefit from the crimes they committed. And that was tested because a lot of killers did benefit before the laws were changed. Trust me. That was the son of Sam law exactly. with, with David Berkowitz in you know in New York. When well, he, he even was, Wayne Gacy. And Wayne Gacy. He the was same selling thing. art mm-hmm. online. Yeah. Or not online, but in some way. Because mm-hmm. uh, that was pre-internet, if I remember correctly. Yes, it was. Uh, but I, I guess the question out. is, okay, so before a law is passed that prevents this, do we have an ob- should we have a moral objection to the spouse of a killer, allegedly, because he's not been convicted yet, Profiting from that those deaths. Again, I have to be careful that I don't sound like a terrible hypocrite here, because I, I think we could argue that that I profited somewhat uh, on the on the Jeffrey Dahmer case, right? I'm always always kind of thinking in that that crisis communications thing. Oh, did you hear her say that people shouldn't make money off that? But the spouse is is different. I also look at this at this woman and I say. You know, did she have a job at all? I know the daughter worked for for uh, Hoyerman um, or Hewerman. We got to figure that out so I don't call. You know, I don't sound like an idiot. Um, but uh, you know, did is this going to be this woman's only way to make money? They live in this ramshackle house in you know in in on Long Island. You know what? Uh, I, I guess I'm I'm trying not to fault her. Because here's what I think people are going to say, and here's one of the things I think that her uh, that her perspective is going to be interesting. People are like, "How did you not know? Didn't you see? Couldn't you see?" And I, you know, and and that's that was very common. That's very common in serial killer cases where people say, "Oh, come on, there were clues. You had hey, to know." There are a million clues in hindsight. Well, right, they're it's, only clues if you're looking for clues. Well, there it is. Otherwise, you just live your life. Right, and otherwise, you're just you know. It, it, uh, you know, I, I and again, I I don't I'm, I don't know enough about the case. Well, apparently, I'm, she said that she she has to be convinced that he actually did this, and part yeah. of her, that convincing is going to be the trial. But uh, so I'm going to just kind of argue here that is that the narrative that we're putting out? Is that what she's kind of putting out there in order to make it a more interesting? Uh, a more interesting piece, you know, is she is the wife convinced that her husband, you know, uh, did this? I mean, that's a great storyline. It certainly is a lot better than, hey, my husband was a serial killer. I'm going to go sit through the trial. I, I think that adds a, an extra interest to it. And perhaps that's the point. Let me ask this question in a bigger way. 
is is the explosion of of the interest in true crime in all the different ways that that's out there internet stuff the tv shows the movies all the, all that stuff is that a positive culturally is that a positive i know it's a big question yeah, i'm not sure is. that it is it, it, it is i'm i i think that the interest in true crime is also reflective of an interest in all kinds of other uh of other things that are not you know not as positive uh, I don't know how far the interest in true crime goes. You know, I get the Google alerts whenever Jeffrey Dahmer's mentioned in the news somewhere, right. and I end up uh, getting these alerts. I just got one today of some kid who, you know, who got arrested for uh, for an attempted homicide, and he was an aficionado of different serial killers, including Dahmer. So, are we, you know, are are we promoting? Almost kind of an idolatry of these, you know, That's uh, my fear. of these people, and you know. Jeffrey Dahmer, Rex Horman, John Wayne Gacy, these are not cool guys. These were not, you know, these are not interesting people. Their cases, uh, you know, are are certainly interesting, but these are not these are not people to emulate. And I also have to walk the line too as somebody who works in the media. There there are stories to tell here, which is the reason we brought this up is this is a news story because this is a a relatively unique way of looking at the the growth of true crime. From the perspective of should a family member of an alleged killer benefit? Now, Rick from Norway says this. If what the killer's wife is saying is true, which she has denied that she has any knowledge, mm-hmm. um, then yes, it should be okay for her to profit. Her life is going to be miserable as a result of, of, the, of this murderer's conviction. And, and, and I agree with him. I, I, think, that that's, I think that that's true. Uh, you know, did people scream and yell when Jeffrey Dahmer's father uh did the uh you know it, it did the uh did a book was he compensated and, for all that i'm, sh- I'm well, sure he wrote a book yeah. so he didn't sure do he that was. for free uh but i i believe that there they had to have a stipulation where he promised or he he swore that jeffrey dahmer would not receive any money from that uh but there are uh there are tapes that have been have been revealed both on the part of dahmer's father and a prosecutor that worked on the case did those people do that out of the goodness of their heart or were they compensated i don't know uh, but you know, it, I, I've, I've always been very careful about taking money from those documentary producers because I think it, I don't know. I just, I, I, I guess I don't have a, I don't have a good way to verbalize it, but it just makes me uncomfortable to, to do that. But would I be as uncomfortable if somebody said, we're going to give you, you know, a half a million dollars to follow you around through the trial? I mean, your life has just imploded. How do you say no? No, and you know, locally we have not only the Dahmer story, but the Laurentia Bambenek story, which is still fascinating to a lot of people that just had a run at a local theater here of, of a play about Laurentia Bambenek, yeah. uh, Run Bambi Run, I think was the name of it, mm-hmm. uh, and did very well. So, and people that I would not have expected who came up to me and said, "Are you going to go see that?" And I said, "No." Uh, and you know, and uh, but then a curiosity kind of. Of course, you know, what we're I, all curious. I mean, is Dahmer the musical coming next? I don't know, but yeah, I, I, I hope certainly not. hope not. But uh, you know, this is this is what there's an interest, isn't there? There, there, the the seats were full. This this wasn't like six people came to this thing and the right. producer said, "Oh my heavens, what was I thinking?" She is Annie Schwartz. I am Steve, of course, on WTMG. Now after the break, the chief of the Milwaukee Fire Department, Aaron Lipsky, will join us on the Tri County Contracting Hotline. Can't not wait to talk to Chief Lipsky. He's got a lot to say. We've got a lot of questions to ask him. If you have a question, 855-616-1620. We'll do a text version if we want to throw a question at the chief. More after this on WTMJ Now.
Public Safety Hour with Annie Schwartz, law enforcement communications expert, and yours truly, and a special guest today, joining us in the Tri-County Contracting Hotline, the Chief of the Fire Department in Milwaukee, the Great Fire Department in Milwaukee, City of Milwaukee, Aaron Lipsky joins us. Good morning, Chief. Good morning. How are you both doing? Good morning, Chief. Thank you for joining us. Of course, I'm happy to. So there's so much to talk about. I, I know there's been recent fires as as late as last night or as early as last night. Um, I guess let's start with sort of a PSA here. It's a dangerous time in, in any community when it gets cold because we see the, the people starting to plug things in and try to warm up their houses with all, the, all these heaters. Bad things can happen. Can, can you just speak to that? Because I want to make sure that we get that message out because that's always an important one at this time of year. Absolutely. Uh, the, the space heater issue is very, very relevant. Uh, and uh, we, we've been saying for years, and I appreciate you amplifying the message, that if you're going to have space heaters, you can't leave them unattended. You can't have them close to piles of clothing or curtains or next to a couch. You've got to leave space around that. Uh, its very function is to create heat, which is a necessary ingredient uh, to start a fire. And uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, this, this, these basic rules uh, kind of get overlooked after a while. People get real complacent, and uh, the next thing you know, you've You've got a fire, and and in in some horrible circumstances, you have you have fatal fires. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't don't put it next to the crib to keep the baby warm. Um, Chief, I got to ask you from a, a personal standpoint. We had a, a fire death tragically in in the city last night, and I'm I'm wondering. You know, I've I've always asked police chiefs how they uh, how they they help and how they kind of you know help their their officers through these kind of situations. How do you uh, kind of work with the wellness aspect of, of your firefighters after uh, an incident like last night? Sure. So we, uh, sadly, we are very well acquainted with dealing with uh, people who are deceased. Uh, and and sadly, all too often lately, in, in fairly graphic uh, and disturbing manners. Uh, so what we, what we find out is that uh, our members are, are fairly well equipped at things that would make sense to to regular people, and and I'll I'll try to explain this in a manner that that is dignified here. If if a, if a 99 year old lady uh, living at home, uh, getting home hospice care in a hospital bed, if if the family wakes up and she has passed in the night, well, that is very sad. It that's understandable, and that even though it is sad, it even makes sense to the family that's standing there. Uh, it is the the deaths that come too early or that happen in just senseless or needless ways that can that can really sit sideways inside of a firefighter's or a paramedic's mind and uh, so we have a, a fantastic peer support team we have a fantastic uh network uh, beyond our own peer support team uh so that that our folks can can speak with people who themselves understand what this feels like and sounds like and smells like and you know all of the the things that aren't ever going to be adequately represented in you know a glitzy television show or a movie on the topic uh and it is oftentimes uh the the traumatic injury that you're looking at that i think most civilians rightly so believe is the main cause of uh, post-traumatic stress for firefighters and paramedics, uh, well, those things are horrible, 
those those are actually uh, you you almost get real clinical about those things, and you get real uh, a real sterile approach so that you can carry on and, and do your mm-hmm. duties. Self protection, uh, sure. Right, but the thing that really hits sideways is the family that's standing and bearing witness to these tragedies. Mm. Because those people, you are just steeping in anguish and terror and pain, guttural wailing. It is those things, I think, uh, uh, hit firefighters much harder because uh, what you're looking at is horrible enough. Uh, what they're experiencing is a thousand times worse because there's such that close family tie or close relationship that they had with that victim. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing that really hits our, our members sideways, I, I believe. And and we uh, we've really encouraged our members to just to just talk. You know, it doesn't have to be a big Doctor Phil jaw session, mm-hmm. uh, but just just talk talk with each other uh, and. I think we're making some gains on that, but I do also believe that the human mind, the psyche, is not equipped to uh, uh, onboard these sorts of traumatic scenes at the pace and frequency with which our members have been doing this for the past few years. Uh, I, would, I would like it. I, I would liken it to uh, a wartime medic mm-hmm. at this point, mm-hmm. with, with the sustained nature of traumatic injury that we're dealing with. City of Milwaukee Fire Chief Aaron Lipsky joining us. I got a great text from a listener, fan of the show. Um, the fire blankets that are advertised, are they good to have in your in people's homes? Uh, so they are a very, very good tool if you'd have somebody catch their shirt on fire at the stove or outside by a grill or you find a kid playing with matches. Uh, what you're really doing by quickly wrapping someone in those fire blankets is you're, you're smothering uh, a the fire not allowing the oxygen uh, a chance to, to let that fire grow. And you're also covering other parts of clothing that haven't yet burned at the same time. Uh, never forget, never forget the stop, drop, and roll and cover your face. That's a real thing. That's a real thing, and it actually works. Chief, we were talking about the emotional toll that, that these fires take and these incidents take on, on, on your people, on the firefighters. I, I guess I'm also, you know, I'm wondering, it, it's not just the, the the fires now that they're dealing with. I think I saw you do an interview the other day uh, about, is, is there an increase in attacks on firefighters, or what in the world is that about? What are we seeing there? We are very, we're very fortunate. I appreciate you asking that question, uh, Annie. We're very fortunate uh, to have very good relations with, with all of the different communities that we serve Uh within our own city. Uh, but there is just a general increase in tension. Uh, there, there's an increase in people who have extremely short fuses, very, very uh, uh, touchy triggers. And all of this sort of lines up to just by virtue of our work environment, we're where Tensions are already high and emotions are, are out of control sometimes. It just puts us in a space more frequently where it happens. How do you I deal with it? Think, How do you deal with it, Chief? Uh, well, with, with physical attacks, uh, we we have no body armor. We have no weapons with which to defend ourselves. We have no training or equipment to restrain people who are attacking us. 
Um, we do our best to softly push people away if they're getting into a hazardous area. Uh, we have a very, very good close working relationship with our partners on the Milwaukee Police Department, the Milwaukee County Sheriff's, all of our area law enforcement agencies are very good partners to us. Uh, but the fact is, is we're not always in the same spots at the same time. So we are left uh, to just sort of figure it out. Uh, and our primary mission, if something turns sour like that, is to get ourselves clear and removed to safety. There have been many instances in the past few years where we are dealing with uh, a shooting victim or another, a victim of some other violent crime and more shooting breaks out as we're tending to the patient. Uh, and, and some of these situations are very, very dynamic. Uh, and our firefighters have made the choice in those circumstances to not abandon that patient. Because, it, 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 I mean, that's, you talk about uh, a game of scruples. Our directive to them is you get yourself safe. Uh, but their dedication to the patient care is such that they, they just they just can't. You can't leave that patient. So uh, there's there's not a listen. There's not a uh, there's not a protocol or an SOG or some clean, snappy, ready for television protocol uh, that is going to make everybody feel good when someone begins attacking firefighters and paramedics because. Uh, you know, we're working in some pretty tight spaces, some some space, very unknown spaces in many in many cases, uh, and I don't want to overemphasize this point because it's not it's really not my driving uh, principle here. But listen, my firefighters and paramedics are going to defend themselves. We we just have limited means of doing that. Chief Aaron Lipsky joining us on the Public Safety Hour on WTMJ Now. I'm going to ask you to hold through the break if you could, Chief. I, I want to ask you about some comments you made. I wanted to stand up and shout bravo when you said them about Northridge, so we're going to explore that mess after our break with Milwaukee's fantastic fire chief, Aaron Lipsky. We'll continue the conversation after this. Thanks for joining us on the Public Safety Hour with Annie Schwartz, our law enforcement communications expert. And on our Tri-County Contracting Hotline, joining us is Aaron Lipsky, Fire Chief of the City of Milwaukee. Chief, I've, I saw your comments on Northridge, and I know you're, you're very frustrated, as most of us are, that for all these years now we're lingering with this really a dangerous hazard to the community. Uh, a couple people just texted in and said, why don't they just let it burn down? I, I think I know the answer to that question, but for, for your agency your organization those firefighters and public safety professionals this is a real problem in our community yeah that's that's absolutely correct um and i think i get that question almost second only to when are they going to tear northridge down <laughs> right, right. The, second, the the second question is uh why don't we just let it burn uh first off uh well that may feel good to say uh, and and I understand from from where that sentiment comes. Uh, it is it is antithetical to what we do as firefighters. And the other part of this is, uh, and you know, I, I'm sure people have varying opinions on what I'm about to say, and that's fine. Uh, but uh, we have a responsibility to, to to protect and save all life, all life. And for a building that has no gas, no electric no any sort of any ignition source for there to be smoke coming out of it implies that there's a human inside uh whether or not that human 
started that fire maliciously for warmth, whatever it is, we have to get in there to search that area. So uh, I'm very fortunate to have some very aggressive and, and smart uh, forward-thinking operations commanders out in the field who have put together a series of uh, very specific logistical plans for how we are going to make entry into that building so that we can also not forget to preserve and protect our own lives. That being said, that's uh, a danger for your firefighters every time you have to go in there. You're 100% correct, sir. So I guess maybe and maybe you know the answer, maybe you don't. Has the public safety risk to our hardworking public safety workers, has that been stressed as part of the argument to tear this defunct mall down? Uh, absolutely. Uh, listen, I, I think anybody that's talked with me for more than five minutes understands that I'm, I'm never going to apologize for strenuously attempting to advance keeping my, my membership safe, as safe as possible. What we do already is hazardous, but no need to keep doing it needlessly for something that shouldn't keep happening. So absolutely, uh, I have advanced this in every forum available, and I will continue to advance it. And uh, we, I think we have a, uh, another court hearing coming up here, uh, I think December 1st. Uh, anyway, we have, we have another court hearing coming up. And I'll tell you something else. Uh, there's there's so many twists and turns in the background with real estate law, with out-of-country mm. ownership, uh, with with city versus private domain. And, and, and I, I am no expert in that, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend I am. Uh, but I will tell you that uh, that's not my role. That's not my function. My function is to protect my firefighters and at the same time protect other people. Chief, you've got some, when we're talking about uh, firefighters staying safe and, and, and staying uh, staying alive uh, when it comes to, to fire scenes, it, you have, the, there's a training coming up for you guys, is there not? And the reason that I know this is obviously because my, my better and nicer half, um, Mark McLean, is involved in the, in the fundraising for it. Uh, but can you talk a little bit about the rescue training uh, that, uh, that the firefighters go through when it comes to learning how to rescue another member? Absolutely. Absolutely. So the, the training you're referring to, and, and much thanks to uh, Jeff and Mark at House of Harley for, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. Oh, yeah. Bad, oh, yeah. Uh, because they have extended their care uh, for for fire and EMS and law enforcement uh, into, into real fundraising dollars so that we can send dozens of our firefighters uh, down to Champaign, Illinois. The Illinois Fire Service Institute has the most advanced uh, rapid intervention training uh, in the nation. Uh, Extremely, extremely rigorous, difficult, complex training that occurs over the course of a week. Uh, Live fire training every day, uh, and you are are sent in to uh, simulate rescues of firefighters from a variety of very difficult circumstances, from a disoriented lost firefighter all the way through uh, structural collapse during a fire, with firefighters trapped under rubble, it's very, very unique and important training. So we've we've probably in the department right now, uh, we've probably got several hundred people that have gone down through that training. Here's the thing: it's extremely expensive training. Uh, when our when our members go for that sort of stuff, we, we do have the ability. The the city is very 
helpful when we're pursuing additional education to provide tuition reimbursement, but it doesn't come close to covering all the costs with the travel and the rooming and the food and the uh, and this this training is so important uh, that we are now having a fundraiser coming up uh, at uh, Milwaukee's best steakhouse, Carnival. <laughs> uh, He's just getting all the plugs man, in today. Oh man! Wow! Wow! No, but I actually uh, not that I disagree. Uh, no, I mean it's, it's fantastic, and it and it's fact. That's where uh, we're having our second fundraiser, uh, where we'll be uh, using the foundation from House of Harley and. Uh, uh, soliciting more funds so we can continue to send our members to this training. It is it is it is second to none, uh, and the support has been tremendous from from the community, from business leaders. Uh, it, it's it's truly a feel good moment uh, because it's exactly what we started talking about here. It's the other end of it when things do go wrong and we have a firefighter in harm's way. Uh, it is it is a it is an you might as well be on a different planet as far as what that environment turns into. Uh, and to be able to function calmly and focused and interpret things that you can't see uh, while putting together a complex plan for rescue, it is, it, it's not something you just wake up and do. It requires practice. It requires circumstances in training that are as close to real life as possible without you know, seriously injuring somebody. Chief Lipsky, got to so take I, one. We got to take one more break. I, there's a couple quick texters that have some specific questions. If we can get you to hang on for a couple of minutes, we'll ask those final questions and let you go to your regular day job. We are, we are joined, of course, on the phone line by the City of Milwaukee's Fire Chief Aaron Lipsky, WTMJ now. Public Safety Hour with Andy Schwartz and Steve on WTMJ now. We're joined on this uh, this half hour by the City of Milwaukee's Fire Chief Aaron Lipsky. Uh, a couple quick ones. We don't have a lot of time, Chief, so I'll just give them to you real quick. Have you seen more? Two, I'll give the questions both at the same time. Have you seen more lithium battery fires lately? And uh, electric vehicles. There's been some stories, reports about um, fires involving electric vehicles, vehicles inside garages. Anything to report on those? Yeah, so we have started to see an uptick, not nearly as much as uh, the East Coast, uh, but we are starting to see an uptick in that it's strongly suspected that the recycling center uh, in the Menominee Valley may have been related to uh, a battery-caused fire. Uh, these, the electric vehicle fires, that, that is also a real thing. Uh, and, uh, it, you know, it, the, industry, the industry can do what it wants, uh, and I'm speaking of the automobile industry, uh, and it has for years, and it has moved way, way faster uh, and with, with minimal inclusion of the fire service on the front end, uh, leaving us in a position to have to catch up. So, uh, and so, some of the changes are very good. Uh, the new vehicle technology, the airbags, the the uh, the, the rolled boron steel, you know, uh, roll cages built into uh, these cars. They make them much safer during an accident. But when they don't work good, we have to figure out in real time in the middle of some street at three in the morning how to get through these things and how to work around them. Uh, and the, the electric component of the electric vehicles is no different. Uh, it has moved far faster, uh, and, and I don't want to say with complete disregard for the inherent fire hazards that are caused, uh, but we certainly are not being given time to catch up, I will say that. Chief, we, uh, we have to end by asking you an extremely serious, important question, and that is, <laughs> as we change our calendars over from 2023 to 2024, 
Uh, I see that we have a new calendar option here uh, in the city of Milwaukee. My question is, how does the fire chief not get a month? So I think they're actually <laughs> trying to sell calendars. <laughs> you didn't get so the Burt Reynolds it's, treatment? No, it's a, it's a fundraiser, not a fund <laughs> depleter. How can people so, get a hold of those calendars, chief? So uh, I, you can go online. Uh, I believe uh, Ignite the Spirit has uh, a website, Ignite the Spirit Milwaukee, or Ignite the Spirit MKE. Uh, and uh, also, and I don't know if there's still tickets available, I believe Thursday night is the big ticket uh, calendar launch. Wow. Uh, I, I don't know a lot of the details about that, unfortunately, but I think that's Thursday night. But uh, go online. That's your That's your quickest way to get one of those calendars. Uh, and they go fast. I can't believe how fast they go by all reports. All Travesty is not a month for you. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Well, you know. All for a good cause. Chief Aaron Lipsky, always appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, Chief. Annie, we got to wrap it up. Annie Schwartz, law enforcement communications expert. We'll do it again next Wednesday. I'll be here, and we got a great guest next week. All right.